Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the uh, tradition of the church, uh, we are coming uh, now from the festival of uh, Pentecost last Sunday and the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, uh, the baptism of 3,000 people and the birth of the church in uh, Jerusalem, which here at St. Andrew also included uh, the Night of Witness and the Rite of Confirmation for a group of young Christians. And now today we come to a celebration that is known as the Sunday or the Feast of the Holy Trinity, which today uh, includes, as you heard from Pastor Nick, uh, the first communions of another group of young believers, two twin sisters here at the 930 service, others at 11 o'clock, including two who will be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, making this another great and blessed day in our life together. And uh, like other church festivals and commemorations, uh, the feast or the, uh, the Sunday of the Holy Trinity is not just some uh, random celebration, but it actually involved uh, centuries uh, of evolution uh, many years ago in response to an early church heresy known as Arianism, uh, which among other things uh, taught that uh, Jesus didn't always exist, uh, but that God created him uh, while scripture tells us that uh, Jesus with the Holy Spirit is an eternal person of that three-in-one trinity who took on human form and came down uh, to earth for us and is, as we like to say in the creed, of one being with the Father. And so, with that one-sentence explanation of the Holy Trinity, uh, I would like to shift gears a little bit and zero in on one of the passages of Scripture that are identified for reading on this uh, unique and special day and the way in which Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work to transform your life and one uh, aspect of your life uh, specifically, and that is uh, the experience of trial or hardship or suffering. Uh, in your life. And I'm talking about that passage from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, where he says to the church that not only do we boast in our hope, but we also boast, or some translations actually say, we rejoice in our suffering. I want to talk today uh, with you a little bit about what that really means, because uh, we are living today in a world of hurt and a world of suffering all around us, uh, whether it's uh, the violence uh, in our society, which remains so unbridled, whether it's a war in Europe, whether it's COVID, uh, whether it's injustice, uh, whether it's uh, social tensions, whether it's political divisions, whether it's uh, disunity in the church, or maybe it's something even more personal to you than that, and, and your suffering has to do with illness or with bereavement or with the closing of some chapter in your life, or uh, maybe some fear or anxiety that you have in your life about uh, your future or the future of uh, somebody that you love. And uh, so is it even possible to do what St. Paul is suggesting in his letter to the Romans? Is it possible uh, to boast in our sufferings or to rejoice in our sufferings? And if it is possible, then what does that even look like in places like Eastern Ukraine or Uvalde? Uh, Texas, which are so difficult to even fathom. Uh, mindful that uh, the late Mother Teresa uh, once famously said, I know that God will not give me more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me quite so much. 
Uh, but before we even get to that, uh, I also know that uh, we have this question about where suffering comes from and why there's so much of it uh, in the world in the first place. And my answer to that question is that there is no one answer to that question, at least in one respect. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, sometimes suffering in my life is caused by somebody else in my life or in the world around me. And the, the sin that manifests itself in their life, their behavior, in a way that causes my trial, my hardship, or my suffering. I've already told you about the person who came to see me about her abusive husband. And in our conversation, she said to me, why would God do this to me? And my answer to her flat out was, God is not doing this to you. Your no good husband is doing this to you. Sometimes my suffering is caused by me and the decisions that uh, I have been freely given to make because none of us are puppets on God's strings. But the thing is that sometimes I make the wrong decisions and sometimes we find ourselves suffering the consequences of the decisions that we are allowed to freely make. Sometimes we don't really know or at least I don't and we find ourselves left to wonder, why is it that the, the ruthless and self-absorbed tyrant is allowed to prosper while the innocent, hardworking, faithful man or woman gets cancer and dies? What we do know is that we live in a world that has fallen into sin, and it is broken. And as a result of that fall, we all feel its effects in one way or another, sooner or later, whether or not we can ever understand it fully or connect the dots. The other thing I would say to you is that if you think that uh, St. Paul's call to uh, boast in our sufferings or, or rejoice in our suffering is some sort of a churchy, pie-in-the-sky, holier-than-thou thing to say on the part of a, a man who was a famous missionary and led a charmed life, think again. Because Paul's life, in truth, was just loaded with suffering. Just read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and you'll see him describe uh, a life of hardship and how he was shipwrecked and how he was stranded and how he was beaten with rods and how he was stoned and how he was hungry and how he was thirsty and how he was imprisoned. And, and of course, we know about his thorn in the flesh or at least a little bit about it and all kinds of other things that add a lot of credibility as well as a lot of mystery to his claim. And so what then is Paul talking about in these words? What is it that God is saying to us on this Sunday of the Holy Trinity? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, which you may have already figured out, is the rejoicing in our suffering does not mean that we rejoice in our suffering. How's that for a Washington, D.C. sermon? <laughs> Rejoicing in our suffering means that we rejoice in God in the midst of our suffering. It means that we boast in God in spite of our circumstances. What it means is that we show off the abiding presence, the grace, and the glory of God in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your tragedy, in the midst of your loss. 
and in the midst of your hurt. And that brings me to my second uh, point as I look at these words, which is that uh, boasting in our sufferings or, or rejoicing in our sufferings is a choice that we make. It's not just a feeling or an emotion, although I know we talk a lot about it in those terms. And that choice isn't meant to mask or cancel out my feelings. On the contrary, when, you know, when I'm suffering in one way or another, I, I need to offload my feelings and put them right where they belong at the foot of the cross and say, you know, God, you know, I'm in big pain. And I hate this. But you get it. So I've conducted a lot of funerals over the years, many in this very room, where there was a lot of suffering going on. And there was also a lot of rejoicing going on at the very same time. Because while the feelings just come naturally, a choice was made to give God the glory, to honor him and to praise him for the peace that passes all human understanding, for a hope that nothing in this world can give or take away, for the victory that we have in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that cho choice is born at his cross. It is born of his grace. And so if the goal of your life is just to be happy all the time, then I hate to tell you that suffering is going to ruin the purpose and the meaning of your life. If the purpose of your life is to honor and bring glory to God, come what may, then you're gonna be good to go come what may, and chances are you're going to even be happier in the process. And so what I would like to suggest to you today, and uh, I know this can be hard, is that when suffering or trial or hardship do make their way into your life, which will happen to all of us sooner or later in one way or another, share and offload your feelings uh, to God, to the people around you. But as soon as you possibly can, stop and ask yourself this question. How am I going to give God some glory through this moment? How will I honor him? How will I praise him? Because he is the one who comes into my life to weep with me when I weep and to lift me up when I fall. How can I give him glory in my life in a way that produces the kind of endurance and the perseverance and the spiritual character of which St. Paul is talking about here and this world so desperately needs. And Paul is saying that you and I can do this. Why? How? We can do it because of what he said at the beginning of the passage, we're justified. What's that mean? It means we're put right with God by faith and there's nothing better or more important than being right with God. We can do it because we have peace with God through Jesus, which again isn't just a feeling or an emotion, but it is an objective reality. We can do it because God's love in Jesus Christ has been poured into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And see, there you have it again, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit of the risen Christ is poured into your heart, this is not a whole lot of room for anything else. And when that happens, and we boast in our sufferings and we uh, rejoice in the midst of our sufferings, it can also have a transforming effect 
not only on your life, but in the lives of the people around you. And so uh, one Christmas Eve uh, some years ago, I talked about uh, the actor Tyler Perry. Uh, who's also a writer, uh, he is a producer, he is a director, he is actually the uh, founder, owner, leader of a multi-billion with a B dollar uh, entertainment empire. And yet Tyler Perry's life began with immeasurable suffering as he grew up in rural Louisiana in a home that was scarred by an abusive father whose uh, answer to everything, according to Tyler Perry, was to beat it out of us, whether that meant him, whether that meant uh, his uh, siblings, or even their mother. In fact, uh, so traumatized uh, was he by this suffering, this hardship, this trial in his life that Tyler Perry did not even graduate from high school. He once uh, attempted suicide in order to escape the beatings of his father. And yet Tyler Perry is a Christian. And uh, he has not abandoned his faith in spite of his experience and in spite of uh, the fact that immeasurable fame and fortune have also come his way. As a matter of fact, uh, at his uh, entertainment complex in Atlanta, Georgia, which is a former military base, uh, he built, of all things, a chapel, which you don't see too often on movie sets. Because in his words, get this, life is a blessing. And I watched an interview uh, with Tyler uh, Perry in which he said that. And he talked about his faith and uh, how he would go to church as a young boy uh, with his mother and how his faith grew uh, as he did that. And the, the interviewer just stopped and said, wait, wait, wait a minute here, your father beat you? Uh, he beat your siblings, your father beat your mother, and you're growing in your faith. I would think an experience like that would wreck your faith and cause you to wonder if there even was a loving God who cared at all about you. And Tyler Perry shook his head and he said, oh no, it was just the opposite. He said, I would go to church on Sunday morning with my mother and everybody else was looking at what was going on in the front, but I was looking at her and she was joyful. And she was peaceful. And she was content. And she was lifted. And she was sustained. And he said, I would look at that Sunday after Sunday, and all I could ever think to myself was, I want to know the Jesus who makes my mother that happy. And now I do. I know the one who has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies so that I can go to that table and look at this broken world and say, watch me eat. Or as St. Paul put it in yet another one of his letters, so we comfort one another in our trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. Uh, last Sunday, as the congregation was assembling here in the sanctuary to celebrate Pentecost, and we were getting ready to pray with the confirmands over in the great room, I said to them, uh, you know, I wish I could tell you uh, that your life is going to be free of trouble, but I can't. Because even the scripture tells you, uh, not that 
there won't be any trouble. It tells you there's going to be trouble in your life. But that he will be with you in your trouble. And I said, if you know that, and you believe it, and you trust it, and you think about it, and you live that way, it will change your life. It will change your life forever. And that's what I would say also to uh, yet another group of young believers as they come to the table. And we watch them eat in celebration of their baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and the gift of his presence in bread and wine for the forgiveness of their sins and the strengthening of their faith. Knowing not that life will always be easy, but that God will be with us. And that when you have that, you have everything. I thank God that Tyler Perry was a show-off who showed off the glory of God in spite of the trials in his life. I give thanks to God that I am serving a church full of show-offs who boast in the Lord in the good times and in the hard times for his honor, for his glory, for our joy, and for the hope of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.